All right, well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. As one of the few uh, non-ethnically Chinese people in this room, I am learning about the Lunar New Year, and I've been saying Happy New Year to everyone all day, so I think I'm improving. And then I also realize I know I own nothing that is red in my closet, so I gotta improve on that part for future years. Um, now that we've had you all sit down, uh, I wanna begin our time by reading today's passage. And so, um, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Um, it'll be up here on the screen, and I'm reading from the ESV. We've done our scripture reading for the uh, messages in different ways before, but can you all stand together and read out loud with me um, as we read these three verses, uh, just so that they are fresh in our mind for this morning? All right, ready, go. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your written word that is, has been revealed to us um, through so many different human authors. Um, and yet, God, we know it all ultimately comes from you, the God who loves us, who sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world um, so that we might know you. And God, we also thank you that you have given us your written word to give us wisdom in the areas that we need it most. And so, Lord, as we consider how we might best live our lives, I pray this morning that you would be opening our minds and our hearts to the importance of your word, word that is described as sharper than a double-edged sword. And God, I pray that it would be piercing through um, to our hearts and our souls and our spirit today. So would you... God, would you make us attentive to your word this morning and open our minds and our hearts? We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. So this passage, it's a famous one about the word of God, and it has this image of the double-edged sword. And we're going to focus on that image for quite a bit. Um, when I was growing up, my favorite movie as a child, and for those of you who are in our youth group, this might... Eh, some of you might know it, but it might be way outside of your time. But my favorite movie as a child was episode six of Star Wars, The Return of the Jedi. And back, um, we didn't know what streaming services were back then. Um, but in order to, and our family was too cheap to like buy the video, like the VHS. Most of you don't know what a VHS is, but it's fine. Like We're not going to explain that. So what we did was we actually recorded it on a video cassette, a VHS tape, which again, I'm not gonna explain what it is. We recorded it when the movie came on TV, right? So then when you record it, you've got all the commercials. And my brothers and I, we knew that movie so well that not only did we know all the scenes from the movie, but we knew like where the commercial breaks were gonna be and what commercial was coming up after like a certain point. We knew, okay, this is the laundry detergent one because it's right after this epic lightsaber duel between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. And I love this movie because the idea of lightsabers was just so cool, right? 
And so now most of you, even if you don't know what Return of the Jedi is or VHS tapes are, most of you, Star Wars is, you know, kind of made a little bit of a reemergence. And so most of you know what a lightsaber is, right? It's a, it's a sword that, you know, without, when it's not in use, it's, it's like it de-holographizes or whatever, I don't know. And then so I'm just making up words to, to go with it. But I thought lightsabers were so cool. And that's why we loved watching these movies growing up. And so um, the way the series came out, episodes four, five, and six were the first three they made in the 70s and 80s. And then there was a long like period where there were no Star Wars movies. And then all of us were super excited for episode one because we thought, yes, more Star Wars. Like our childhood like story, it's like it's back and it's the prequel. We'll get to see like the origin story of everything. And the movie was honestly so bad. It was so bad. And I would say one of two like redeeming qualities it had, because it's like probably of my of all the Star Wars movies, it's my least favorite. Other than the pod racing, which was pretty cool in episode one, it was like one of the small good things. The only other thing that I thought was really cool was Darth Maul's double lightsaber. And so it's like if they were in the original ones, if you were fighting where the lightsaber was like a sword, Darth Maul was this villain, and he honestly, he was like like probably the most boring and uninteresting of all the villains in Star Wars. It's like his character left a lot to be desired, but at least he had this really cool, like two lightsabers that had kind of been joined together where it was just like, whoa, how are the good guys gonna defeat that? Cause that's new and powerful and that's crazy. And I, I was thinking about that, thinking about this image of the double-edged sword and it's like, you know, that kind of takes it to a whole new level where there's the double-edged, like, or just the double lightsaber. It was so cool. Now, of course, he's a bad guy. The bad guys always end up losing, right? So, you know, they figured it out. Um, but seeing that for the first time, it was like, whoa, that thing looks powerful. That thing looks like it's going to be a problem to deal with for, you know, whoever the forces of good are. And I love that image because when we think about God's word, as we connect this to our church theme for this coming year, Hopefully we can see that when the author of Hebrews describes God's word as a double-edged sword, it is just as cool and powerful and effective as this like dual lightsaber that like at least for a brief moment just like kind of blew my mind when I was watching episode one. And so we want to center on this image of God's word as a double-edged sword today because that's what the, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews talks about. Um, if you have not been with us the last couple of weeks, we are talking about our church theme for the 2023 year. And our church theme, it comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And the church theme is literally just these words, put out into deep water. And what we've said is this comes from the passage where Peter, it's, uh, it's the first time where he gets called as a disciple, and he's been fishing all night, he's a fisherman, he's a professional fisherman, and he's been fishing all night, and he's caught nothing, and then Jesus tells him, put out into deep water. And most likely, Peter had already been there, um, and, and, but then he decides to listen to Jesus. And if you know the story of the Bible, the result is that he gets this amazing catch of fish, the likes of which they had probably never seen. And then it's crazy, because he has this amazing catch of fish, which much have meant so much money for him as a, as a professional fisherman, and yet he leaves it all behind to follow Jesus. And the reason this passage uh, was put on Elder Rupert's heart, our senior pastor, um, to be this year's uh, church vision is he said, after Peter had that experience where he listened to Jesus and, and obeyed him, his life was never the same after that. And if you read Peter's story, 
for the rest of the New Testament, um, at least for as long as he lives, you see that after this moment where he chooses to listen to Jesus and then follow him, it's, his life isn't perfect. He doesn't fully get it for a while, but his life is never the same. And I, I would hope that we would want to have that same experience in following God as our Heavenly Father. And so as we talk about our theme, we've said the deep water, it doesn't just represent like getting out of your comfort zone or your fear. Because remember, Peter was a professional fisherman. He wouldn't have been that scared of the deep water. He was in it all the time. But really what it represents is a willingness to listen to God's leading over our own. And Peter, as a professional fisherman, he would have had all these reasons to do things his own way. And when we think about how strong and powerful, and as described in this passage, how piercing God's word is, hopefully we will have the same experience as Peter as well, as we, as we surrender ourselves to the word of God. So as we continue to talk about our theme for the next two weeks, today I'm going to be talking about the importance of listening to God's word and valuing God's word, the written word, the scriptures that we have in our Bibles and then next week, Daniel's going to be talking about how we listen to God's voice. Now, these are not two separate things. They're definitely related. Like, you have to understand, you know, the relationship we have with God and the presence of the Holy Spirit to make sense of the written word. But the written word is what reveals the truths that we know we can have this relationship with God. So there's a relationship between the two. But today, we're going to be focusing on the importance of God's word, the scriptures. And next week, Daniel will be sharing with us about listening to God's voice. So in this passage we read, um, there are three kind of verbs I want to focus on for our three points for today. And so in these three verses, Hebrews chapter 4, 11 to 13, we're going to talk about when it comes to God's word, what does it mean to strive, to strive after God's word? And then the second one is the image of the sword to be pierced, because it talks about what God's word does. And then finally, we're going to talk about what it means to draw near to him, because striving for him and being pierced by the truth of the word should lead us into a closer relationship with him. And we'll see that in the verses that follow uh, chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. So first, verse 11 starts with the word, uh, it, at the beginning of the verse, it talks about the word strive. Now, it's not the first word in the sentence. And as the author says, let us therefore strive what he's going for before he gets into, uh, before we start to think about the word strive, is you have to realize what has happened in the book of Hebrews up to this point. And I love the book of Hebrews. It's a very complicated book, um, but I love it because uh, many, uh, many times when we think about what is the main point of the book of Hebrews, there's a phrase that I've heard. I don't even remember where I first heard it. Maybe it was from reading a commentary or listening to a sermon by another pastor. But the main point of the book of Hebrews it can simply be described as Jesus is better. And it's describing how Jesus is a better sacrifice, a better system of the law, a better system, a better way to have a relationship with the living God than God's people had previously had. And this was coming at a time where there was a lot of persecution in the early church. It is sometime after Jesus has died and gone up to heaven, and there's a lot of growing for the church to do. And so the book of Hebrews was the author's way of encouraging the Hebrew brothers and sisters to continue to follow God and to be led by him. And so when he says, therefore, he's talked about how Jesus is so important to the faith and how his sacrifice is infinitely better than the sacrificial system. These are all uh, important um, keys, key parts to the book of Hebrews that you'll see. And so this is the context that we find these verses in. So a lot of times we could pull these verses aside and we could say, okay, 
Here's how we know God's word is really powerful, and that's true. But if it's almost, it would be ironic to define what God's word is and its power outside of the context of how it was written in the book of Hebrews. And so prior to these verses, if you read the start of chapter four, the author is addressing how not to fall into disobedience and how that is an important part of having this living and active relationship with God. And so that's the context that we find ourselves where the author is saying, strive to enter that rest. And rest can be defined as this relationship with God, this peace with God that the author has been describing in the book of Hebrews. We'll see a little bit more of that in our last point this morning. But he says, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. That's the author's encouragement to the, to the Hebrew people who are hearing this. And, that's, and then the next verse it's, it might seem strange for the moment where it's like, okay, he's talking about not being in dis- disobedience, but then he switches to how powerful the word of God is. But if this is all in the same context, he's got to be doing that for a reason, to show that the way that we don't fall into disobedience, the way that we feel truly at rest is related to our relationship with God's word. And that's how he then transitions to verse 12, which is a very famous verse that we'll get to. But I want to focus in on the word strive, because that's his encouragement to the Hebrew brothers and sisters. And when you do a word study on the the Greek word, the original language this was written in, um, some some synonyms for, where are my, where are my, there it is. Some synonyms for this word, for the Greek word, um, to strive, you can describe it as to hasten or exert oneself, to endeavor to be diligent, there's, a urge, there's like a, an urgent kind of connotation to this word when we think about the word strive. And so like there's action accounted for it to, you know, in order to like actually achieve what you're, what you're going for. So uh, for example, if there's a sports game I wanna watch on TV and I'm making lunch, I'm like, oh, the game starts at 12. Did I do everything to like not miss the opening tip-off or the opening kickoff or whatever? And it's just like, I'm working hard to like manage the time and figure out, I don't want to miss any of the game. It's like we all have our priorities that we strive for. And that's a really important part when we see the word strive, because uh, for all of us as humans, we are all striving towards something or some things. Maybe it's many things. And in this case, the author is encouraging the Hebrew brothers and sisters to strive to value God's word and how that will help them address staying out of disobedience and also experiencing rest, right? And so there's an active role that we have to play to value God's word. And I think that's an important point because in our church, we extremely, like very highly value the teaching of God's grace. We don't ever want to think that our salvation is up to us or our effort, it's purely based on what God has done. And yet, a lot of times we might think, well then that means if God's salvation comes from God and we're saved by grace alone, we're justified by grace alone, then hey, like we can just enjoy that and not have to do anything. But that's not what God's word says in a number of different places. That love, that grace for, that God has for us will always be there. But for us to fully experience it, we have to do our part to strive after it as well. A good example of that comes from the the very famous um, parable that Jesus tells about the prodigal son, right? And if you know the story of the prodigal son, he goes and he gets into this wild living. He wants to go his own way for a long time. But then Jesus, as he tells the parable, says, 
The prodigal son, eventually, he realizes his way of partying and separating himself from his family and just squandering all his wealth on wild living, it doesn't amount to anything. And there's a key phrase where it says he comes to his senses. And that's where he changes his mind to go back home, which must have been very difficult after he had completely disrespected his dad and his family. But he makes the active choice to then go back. And for us to experience the rest that the author of Hebrew is talking about, there's something that we have to do in order to experience that. And you see that with the word strive that the author says. And so um, in thinking about how we can value God's word as a whole, as the scriptures, you know, um, if you want to, if you're wondering what the authenticity of scripture is or why we believe that these are the words of God, that's a good separate conversation that Daniel or I would love to have with you at some point. And we've talked about that in various forms where we believe the word of God is extremely trustworthy, inspired by God and something that we need to follow. And so um, well, I'm not going to say too much more about that. In this, when, when we talk about what the author says in order to strive, not to enter into those disobedience, uh, but to value God's word. Um, I think there's a lot of ways, both in scripture and a lot of other examples that we can think of that might help us do that. I'm gonna kind of work backwards a little bit because we might ask, well, okay, these might be good methods, but we also might want to say why. Why is God's word important? And we'll get there. Um, but from, from the time of God's people, the Hebrew people, from generations back, when they were given the law, right, the Ten Commandments, and a lot of the other laws in the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, in order to help best govern their relationships with God and each other. It wasn't as simple as just them hearing the Ten Commandments from Moses, and then they had them all in their minds. But if we're going to really value God's word, we need to go to the same lengths that they would go to as well, or that anyone would go to to value any kind of teaching or wisdom. And so in the book of Deuteronomy, as, the, as God's people are hearing um, more about the commandments that they are given, it says this in verses 1 to 2 of chapter 6. And really, what this is showing is that in an ancient Near East kind of way, a way to write down the law and the wisdom that came from God to his people. So Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 2, it says this. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Okay, so this is talking about the importance of valuing what is being taught to God's people. It doesn't say exactly what that is. You'd have to read the surrounding, not just chapters, but like books with Leviticus and Exodus to see uh, all of the, the Ten Commandments and the other, uh, the other laws and statutes that God is giving his people. But I love verse 9 because I think it has some practical application for us when it comes to really valuing the word of God and understanding what it means. Verse 9 says this, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so for God's people, not having books or iPhones or whatever it is where we can write down truths that we think are important to us, they were instructed to write it on the doorposts of their homes. And that was because when they would go in or the, they would go out, they would see the words that came from God that governed how they were supposed to live. And by that, by that way, there would be more familiarity for them to experience God's word. If you visited a home of someone in our church, 
You might see a Bible verse somewhere near the entrance. I've seen that in a lot of houses. I've seen it in more than one home in our church where uh, there's, the, there's like a, um, a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, which, is a, which comes from the Old Testament, right? And so there's a lot of ways where we might have these visual reminders to see, okay, this, here, is a, here is a reminder of what God's word says. And to strive after the, the rest that God wants to give us. Really, it means changing our minds where we are flooded by things that we see on the internet. It's unescapable if you live here in California, if you have a smartphone in any way, if you watch TV, whatever it might be. We are inundated by so many messages in the world. If we're going to really strive after God's rest in order to know his word, we would do well to follow what the Israelites did where the law was written on their doorposts. Or there's a way where we are kind of refreshing our mind over and over again when we've seen many different tweets about the news or many different images from our friends that have, who have posted on Instagram. Equally as much, if not more, we want to be able to see the words of scripture and take it into our minds because that's the way it's going to keep us, on, keep our minds on the things of the Lord by, being, by having just more exposure to them. And so... Writing down the important truths that we know are good for us is a way where we can strive after this rest that the author is talking about. And so that's a really good example from the book of Deuteronomy um, and God's people many years back. Another example of this, um, and uh, since I already talked about Star Wars a little bit, I'll just, I'll just keep going, I guess. But this has nothing to do with the lightsabers. I guess a little bit to do with the lightsabers. But in my all-time favorite Star Wars movie, which is Rogue One, it's not part of the nine episodes, but it's, in my mind, for my money, the best thing that Star Wars has ever produced. Great movie. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. If you haven't watched it, you've had plenty of time. So, you know, that's on you. But there is a, well, I don't even know how to fully pronounce his name. There's, a, there's the warrior monk in Rogue One, and if you remember, he has no eyesight, right? But he's a key figure, and I see some of the young people nodding, so I got it right, that's good. He's a key figure in the story, but if you see, if you see his dependence on what we know in Star Wars as the Force, which is a spiritual kind of energy that, you know, the, the Rebel Alliance kind of, and uh, uh, the Jedi kind of feed off of, if you see in the movie, in the battle scenes where he is fighting as a blind warrior, no eyesight, what does he repeat to himself over and over and over again? If you remember, he says, I am one with the force, the force is with me. And as he's like going around and like, you know, into dangerous situations, he's constantly saying, I am one with the force, the force is with me. I am one with the force, the force is with me. And it's a way where he is reminding himself over and over again of this truth that is giving him the strength to go and fight as a blind warrior. Now, I mean, come on, it's a movie, it's a movie right? It's like, how would a blind warrior you know, defeat all these, all these like, warriors that can see? But the point being, for him, he repeated this over and over and over again. It's a really powerful scene, a really powerful image, because that shows us the power of repeating a truth over and over and over again for it to sink into our minds and affect our lives. Um, while I was on sabbatical in the fall, I did something that I like to do whenever I have time, which has not been often for a while, but I read through uh, my favorite childhood uh, book series, which is The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, right? My all-time favorite book in that series is The Silver Chair. And if you know in the, the story of The Silver Chair, there's a girl named Jill, and when she meets Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus, 
he gives her a task. And there are multiple steps to the task that she has to remember. Now, it's her first time in Narnia, and she goes with Eustace Scrub, who had been in Narnia before, so he's familiar with it, but the task is given to her to remember. And there are these signs that he says she has to remember. And when, he, when she is given these tasks, it's just her and the lion, and then so he's saying, don't forget, these are the tasks that you are meant to complete while you are here in Narnia. And at the start of the story, you see how she repeats the tasks to herself every day. And they have a long journey ahead of them, but each day at the start of their journey to complete all the tasks, she remembers, she repeats to herself in the morning the signs, right? And it's a way where over and over again, she won't forget what's important because she's repeating it to herself over and over and over again. Another good example of this, and I will shout out Daniel's favorite preacher, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones here. If we're keeping score, the amount of times that Daniel has referred to D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, it's like five million to one. This will be my first time, so Daniel's winning, okay? Because Tim Keller might be a little bit different. But D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a famous professor, a, or not professor, pastor, a Welsh pastor, did a lot of preaching in the UK, mostly in the early 1900s. And there was this idea, and I'm sure you've heard Daniel talk about it in probably not just one, but probably multiple sermons, where there's this idea that he had talked about the importance of preaching the gospel to yourself and reminding yourself of the truth. For all of you who were here on Friday night with the youth group as we've been watching The Chosen, the amazing interaction that Jesus has with his disciple James at the end of the episode it's a way where I just felt like I was having the, the truth of the gospel reignited for me, watching it in visual form. And there's no shortage of amount of times where we need to hear the gospel, that Jesus loves us, that he died for our sins, that he wants to have a relationship with us. There is no shortage of amount of times that we can preach that message to ourselves over and over again. And why? Because there are so many other voices in our world that are easy to listen to, so many other things on the internet, so many lies in this world that we can start to believe. And so I'm giving example after example after example of how we can do this with God's word and practically uh, what it looks like, um, what it can look like. But I hope you can see the point. The repetition of hearing God's word is a way where we're going to value it and be able to experience the rest that the author is talking about here. And so a New Year's resolution that I made for myself was um, while I was visiting my uncle on sabbatical, he was a pastor for decades, um, he gave me this devotional book. It's a one-year book. There's one verse um, and then a short uh, kind of um, description, and I'm trying to read this every morning. And so we're on January 22nd. I've already missed a couple mornings here and there, and then I've caught myself up. But I've realized my temptation is to always see what's on the news or see what's on social media. And it's very easy for me to flood myself with things that come from other voices where I want to be able to hear God's voice as loudly and clearly as possible. And starting my day with reading through these, I'll share an example of it later on, has been really helpful. And so the point of all this is this. Of course, the quality of understanding God's word matters. But the quantity matters as well. And the reason why God's people had them written on, had the, the laws and the statutes written on their doorposts, or the reason that the warrior monk would repeat this truth over and over again, or why Jill would repeat the signs over and over again, is the more that we verse ourselves in God's word, the more we will grow from it, and the more we will remember it and understand it and see how those truths will be helpful. Now, 
How do we know that? Because you might say, Dan, it sounds like you're just talking about the method of repetition, and that's true. That's point number one. But what actually, what does God's word actually do for us when we repeat it to ourselves over and over and over again? That leads us to our second point. So if we talked about the importance of striving, the second verb that I really want to camp out on in this verse, or in these verses, is the idea of being pierced, the idea of piercings. And verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the verse tells us that God's word is living and active, meaning it can actually affect some change in us. That's why I think the quantity is important, because if we're not making any effort to remember God's word, we're missing out on the opportunity for his word to pierce our hearts and change us in the ways that the author is talking about here. And he uses this image of a double-edged sword. Now, the author would have no understanding of what a lightsaber is. Like, let's be clear, it's many years before that in the ancient Near East. But swords were definitely one of the main instruments of fighting at this time. People would be very familiar with how important it was for a sword to be sharp in order for it to do its job. And this is not the first time the Bible has talked about a double-edged sword. If you remember the story of Ehud, In Judges, Judges chapter 3, and he's a part of the people of Israel, and his role is to go and to kill the neighboring king who is uh, threatening and persecuting God's people. And so it's a very violent society where God's people were constantly caught up in violence and chaos. So we might think it seems like a strange thing for a person, one of God's people, to to have this role to go and assassinate another king. Context matters. It was a different time. I don't believe God would ever command anything like that. But there was a role for all of the wars in the Old Testament and how God's people were um, involved in that. All that to say, if you read about the story of Ehud and how he won a big battle for God's people, it was a double-edged dagger that was hiding under his cloak because he was left-handed. They only searched his left side where your right hand would reach And it was a really powerful way where God's people were able to experience some freedom from the oppression of neighboring nations. And so people would be well uh, just versed with the importance or just the understanding of what it was like, what a double-edged sword, what the effectiveness of it was. And so if we think about that as an image, we want to ask ourselves, how is the living word of God piercing our hearts? Like if the quantity matters of hearing it over and over again, what actually then happens of any value. And I think the idea of piercings is interesting. Um, I seem to have been around quite a few people in our church who have gotten their ears pierced recently or something like that. Um, It reminds me where uh, when I was a freshman in college, my um, bunch of my friends, we all went to uh, a place where we all went to a, uh, a store that did piercings and of all my friends that you know, went to Leland here with me, just like many of you. It was their way of rebelling against their parents and going and getting a part of their body pierced during their freshman year in college, I'm not trying to give any of you young people any ideas. I was the only one who walked out of there without anything pierced. And all my friends, like two of my friends got their tongues pierced. Don't do that. It's not worth it. Let me tell you, like the, the hygiene of it, it's, it's not good. But anyway, the point was, it was something that they really wanted to do, maybe just, I don't know, because they're away from home for the first time and lack of parental supervision. But the point was, you endure a little bit of pain 
for something that hopefully a change that you're gonna like. Now for my two, two friends, including one of my roommates who got their tongues pierced, that was not the case. So don't do it, it's not worth it. But the, the reason why people would, will endure some pain in getting their ear pierced is they're thinking for the long term, it's going to have a good purpose, like it's gonna look nice or it's like a, a style choice that they wanna make, right? And so the point is you endure that pain for that moment because of the change it's going to take, it's, that, it's gonna, that it's gonna result in, right? And I think that's the image of what it looks like when God's word pierces us. Because as sharp as a double-edged sword was and as effective as it was, what the author is saying is this is what the truth of God's word does for us. It hits us like in our deepest like place of being that can really affect change if we are willing. And that's why the importance of striving after it is, is so important. Um, but it uses these phrases that are not that easy to understand. It talks about dividing our soul and spirit and also discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And as I was reading and studying about this this week, a lot of commentators have trouble with these phrases, like what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? Like what does it mean that it pierces between them? Um, and I'm honestly, after reading and studying about it, I can say I'm not quite sure other than to say a truth that I think we're all pretty like aware of, and that is that the human heart and the human emotions as humans, we are complicated people, right? We have our spirit, we have our, our, but we also have our own way of wanting to do things. And so if, if the author is saying the word of God is so sharp that it also discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, what that's saying is if we are open to God's word and the truth that is there, it can help us shape our own intentions that may not and oftentimes are many not godly and change them in the direction that God wants us to go. And I'll give an example of that in a moment. But before that, I wanted to share this phrase because if our theme about putting out to deep water is really about listening to God and being obedient to where he is leading, certainly the written word is, is a key part of that, even if it's painful for us even if it reveals painful truths that we might have trouble agreeing with in the moment. And so many times I think as humans, what we come across is our desires of what we want versus what God wants. And I think many times we have struggle thinking, I don't wanna do what God wants me to do because I wanna do what I want to do. But I could tell you from years of, I think, failing in this area, I would say the more that we learn to love God's word, the more that we see that he knows what's best for us. What was the image that Daniel used last week about the, the mercies of God and why we can trust that we want to listen to him as, uh, like at all? And Daniel used the image of him as a puppy owner and how great of a master he is. And as much as that sounds like he's just this you know, truly loving and good guy, I've seen Daniel around his dog, and many of you have as well, and he treats her very well. And it's God to a much more like greater, infinitely greater extent is so merciful and so loving for us uh, that when we can begin to trust him, there may be painful moments in the moment, but it's a way where God is trying to mold us and shape us to be more and more like him. I'm sure there have been times where Daniel and Ashley have had to take Eva to the vet and she's very uncomfortable and it's painful, but there, it's got a great purpose and it's better for her and she can't see it in that moment. And I think many times that's what happens when God's word pierces us. It may reveal hard truths that we have to figure out, but truths that are nonetheless very important for us. 
And so um, this may sound like a bit like a cliche, but as much as we want to read the Bible, the Bible often reads us. As much as we want to read the Bible, the Bible often reads us. It shows us the true desires of our heart. And many times we are not aligned with what God want, how, how God wants us to see things or how God wants us to live. And that's why his word is so effective because it is being, a double edge, being like a double-edged sword. It is so powerful. And when we are willing and when we are willing to strive after it, we are able to be changed in a way that he might want to change us. And so I uh, wanted to share an example, uh, a couple examples of how I have felt this truth in my own life recently. And so uh, one example from leading, reading through this, uh, this devotional guide that's inspired by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a, a well-known Christian author um, from many years back, and you can read all about him. The, the, starting each day, or most of the days when I, when I, don't, when I don't forget, uh, it has these truths that can actually change the course of my day. And if our, the course of our day is being changed by something from God's word, I believe that's a really good thing. Because the one who's an infinitely and perfect, uh, just infinitely loving and perfect being shaping us and the things that we're going about our day, like I think that's a really important thing. And so um, one passage was reading about the Lord's Supper, uh, the communion time that Jesus had with his disciples um, on the last week of his life before, uh, before he was ready to go to the cross. And the application of that day's devotional was to say, to value table fellowship with other believers. And this was early in January, but it was on my mind, and it, thought, and it made me think, because I'll usually try to write like a one-sentence reflection on each day's devotional, just something short, so I can, like, just for myself, take something from it. And I said, I want to value eating together with other brothers and sisters. And of course, we do it every Sunday after church. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as uh, beings who have, you know, just like, uh, a social part to us, and if you know me, I'm a giant extrovert. I want to be around people. Um, there are, shockingly, you might not believe this about me, but there are times where I don't want to be around people, and I just want to stay home and just like veg out and not, you know, not be around others. And I had just read this passage on the day where Daniel and Ashley had planned a night where we would all cook together. Um, not this week, because I wasn't there this week, so this might be a bad example. But the week before that, okay. And so I was super tired that day, and I was thinking, like, it would be nice to just, like, if you know me, I go to sleep at, like, 8.30 p.m. It's, like, strange, I know. But, like, I was like, if I go out, I'm not going to get home till I know myself. I'm going to keep talking to people. I'm not going to get home till like, 10 p.m. You know, I have to get up early the next day. And so, um, but when I got there, I was so glad that I went. And, of course, you know, I don't think any of us left until, like, close to 10 p.m. But it was such an important time of fellowship. And I really do think that if I hadn't read that one devotional, the chances of me going over to their house definitely go down, right? I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it, but this is how valuing God's word and the things that we read about in his word can change us, even on a day-to-day -day level. And so that's why it's important for us to repeat them over and over again or value the quantity of them in all the ways that I've already described. Because that day, I was so thankful that I got to go and spend time with other brothers and sisters, even though I was very tired that day. Um, and so it's, I, I think that's a good example of what the author says when he says God's word is living and active. On that day, it helped me make a different active choice. 
And if there are hard truths that the Bible is revealing to us about sin in our lives, about need, the need to forgive someone else, things that are difficult for us, it may not be easy, but this is where the truth helps us. Because if we are obedient to the truth, it may be painful in the moment, but we will really benefit from it. And that's something that I've experienced in, in small ways, but also in big ways. And so when we want to go our own way, God's word calls, uh, calls us to kind of just uh, examine the fallenness of our own hearts, and it can redeem us and lead us into true relationship, not just with him, but with others around us as well. Um, a second example of this, um, as I was looking up all my notes on Hebrews, because if I'm preaching on a particular passage, I'll try to see, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years, so I have a lot of things stored in Google Docs that are highly uh, unorganized, but that's why the search function is nice. And so when I was just looking for anything that I had in my notes, uh, in my Google Drive about the book of Hebrews, it took me back to 2019 where, okay, hardly any one of you will remember this because um, it was our youth group at the time and they're all in college now, but there's a few of you. But for a while we had a Facebook page where we were writing our own devotionals from a passage that we had read. And we were just trying to share it with each other. It was a way where it improved the quantity of what we were reading. Now, there were only a few of us that were writing the devotionals, um, but when I went back and I was reading all the comments from that time, and how I remember I had told the youth group at the start of the school year, at least for a month, I was gonna write a devotional that they could read through every day at the start of the school year, so that the start of the school year wouldn't just only be focused on the importance of academics, even though that's important, but also that they could start the year off with like, you know, God's word in their minds. I realized, man, that was such a good time when we were at least commenting on God's word together. And I went back and like, it totally like sidetracked me from like other things I was supposed to be doing because I just went way down the rabbit hole and read all the comments from like that, that Facebook group lasted a, about a good year because then once we got into the pandemic, we could only talk to each other through the internet. And there was so much good sharing of God's word because we had time to do it. And what I've realized for myself is that as life has kind of gone back to normal, that was pre-pandemic pre leading into the pandemic, it was such a sweet time of focusing on God's word. Now, it doesn't mean I haven't read the Bible or I'm not reading on my own or I'm not reading it with other people since then, but I miss those days. And in the story of the silver chair, what happens with Jill is she repeats the signs over and over again each morning. But as they go further along on their journey, they start, her and her two other travel companions, they start to think about other things. As they've been out on the road for a while, they think, man, I can't wait till we get to the next town because a hot meal and a hot shower sounds really nice. Or I can't, like, do we even, or they, they would start to grumble and complain because of how long and hard the journey was. And as life happens, and as we get busier, our eyes can easily drift onto so many other things. And I, going back to that Facebook group, this shows how old it is, because like, not too many people even use Facebook anymore, right? So it's been a while. But that Facebook group, where we actually would log into it and read the devotions and read the comments that people would write, it was such a sweet time where we had our eyes fixed on God's word to try and mold us and change us. And I realized, man, I miss that. And I'm still reading God's word in a variety of ways, but that was a way where I felt my heart being pierced this week. Where it's like, I am not valuing God's word to the extent that I did back then, and I want that back. And so this is a way where God's word is living and active, and where God is so gracious with us, because when we go our own way, when our eyes fix on other things, he has his gracious way of bringing us back. But it's not effective if we don't strive for it as well. It's got to work hand in hand. And so practically what that means is 
This is a great time for me to plug our upcoming Sunday school. Haha. <laughs> All right, we're not waiting for announcements. But in two weeks from now, starting at 9:45. Uh, we're going to have one Sunday school for the adults that Daniel will be leading, and I'll be leading one for the youth. But it'll be a great time for us to dig into God's word together. And if we, are, if we find any value in what we, the author is saying about striving after God's word and the importance of flooding our minds with God's word as much as the internet or social media does as well, what a great way for us to do it. And so we hope that you'll come and join us. We'll have more details coming out. The, the current one is that it'll start at 9.45, but that'll be happening starting February 5th. So not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. And it, I like for my experience of sharing devotionals with brothers and sisters back in 2019 and at the start of the pandemic, I realized how good that was for my life and how much closer I felt towards my heavenly father during that time. Which leads us to our final point. We're talking about striving and being pierced. The last thing, we haven't read it yet, we're gonna see it in the next verses, is how value, striving after God's word and allowing it to pierce our hearts helps us draw near to God in our relationship with him. And so you might say like, Dan, all this sounds like life change and there's some pain involved in it. How do we know it's going to be worth it? And that's a great question. Because if we don't believe that Jesus is the savior of the world, that God is good and that he loves us and that he wants us to experience this rest and not the disobedience that the author is talking about, then there's no reason to do all of these things. And I think because these are hard words for us to come to terms with, that God's word it pierces our hearts, even the very broken parts of us, like that's not an easy thing for us to deal with. How can we trust that it's actually gonna be good? Why should we wanna do it? And it's amazing that the author writes these three verses next, starting in verse 14. He says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And the last point for this morning is that valuing God's word helps us approach him, which is the encouragement that the author gives here. Verse 16, with confidence you can draw near to the throne of grace. I don't know if you've ever been taught this idea through a church or through a, a Christian who, in my mind, I would say doesn't, has a somewhat faulty kind of picture of what it means for us to draw near to God. It may have been explained to you at some point that when we sin, God is angry with us and he wants nothing to do with us and we have to repent in order to kind of be able to experience relationship with him. If you read the Bible start to finish, I don't think that's an accurate portrayal of who our God is. Does sin separate us? Is the Bible clear on that? Absolutely. But what my experience has been is when I sin, it's a way where I am choosing to separate myself from God. It is not that God isn't there. It's not that he isn't gracious. It's not that he, that he isn't trying to be in relationship with me. It's that I've chosen to go my own way. But I find it so much easier to believe that I can come and approach God when I'm kind of invert, like just engulfed in his word and I've been spending time with him. It makes it easier for me to remember that he's a God who loves me and who is always with me. And the more that I kind of just envelop myself in his word, the less I'm gonna go away and separate myself from it. 
A lot of different viewpoints on that, but I really believe when you see how much God goes after sinners in, from start to finish in the Bible, you see how God wants to be around us. But many times when we choose not to strive after God's word and strive towards something else, it's a way where we are separating ourselves from God. And if we want to experience the depths of our relationship with God, the rest that the author of Hebrews is talking about, one of the best things that we can do is to strive to understand God's word and be obedient to it. And that's what helps us see him for who he is and know that we can come and approach him boldly. And so just to wrap it up, I would say, can we ask ourselves the question, how am I striving after God's word right now? Are you like me where it's easy to put your eyes onto other things and other responsibilities that we have or other distractions that there are in this world? And we need a reset to really value God's word. And if that's any of us today, I would say, like, come join us two weeks from now as we start Sunday school. Or one of the questions that Daniel and I always want to hear is, like, can we find a way to read the Bible together as a group? Because it's such an important thing for our lives. And being able to sit down and read scripture together is a way where we get to strive in the way that the author is encouraging us to do this. And when we do this, that's a way where we get to experience what our theme for this year is all about. And so as Peter listens to Jesus, he says, Lord, we've been fishing all night. Like, how do you know? You're not a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. Like, out in the deep water, we've been there, you know, whatever. He's got all his own ideas. But then he says, but at your word, I will do it. And the way we, one of the ways we can best value God's word is to be immersed in it and to see how it may be painful in the ways that it reveals things in our lives that are important for us to see, but how it might help us draw closer to him. And I really believe that if we do that, if we have if a rekindling of our just desire to read God's word, then that will be changing us in all the ways that we want to experience in this coming year. We will experience what the authors of, author of Hebrew is saying about entering the rest that God wants to provide for us. And so I pray that would be something that we could put into practice. Can we find our own ways to write the words of God on our doorpost? Don't go home, especially if you're in your youth group, like don't physically go home and do it. Your parents might get mad at you, but you know, print it out and tape it up on your wall or something, and then that way you see it. And I guarantee you, if that's something we look at every day, our lives won't be the same. And that's the importance of our theme this year, to go out into deep water, to listen to God's voice and to be obedient and to see how our lives might not be the same. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the ways that you have been revealing your truth to your people through so many, in so many ways and so many forms. And God, we thank you that you have given us the written word of God that can guide us and lead us into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, I pray for each one of us, if we are easily distracted, like I know I am, Lord, I pray that you would be piercing our hearts this morning to want to know your truth and to experience how it might be changing our lives. So God, as we sing this last song, I pray that we can um, just uh, position our minds and our hearts to want to know more of who you are and to see how a lot of that comes from knowing your word and how there is so much goodness and so much wisdom that can be life-changing for us, um, not just to guide us and give us wisdom in the earthly decisions that we have, but for us to experience our relationship with you more. So Lord, as we sing, I pray that uh, the, your presence would be near to us 
And God, that we would know the truth of your word uh, really does have this power to change our lives. We thank you for this time. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.